Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And this episode, for those that are listening on the day it is released, comes out on August 2nd. And August 2nd is the Feast of the Little Portion, um, which the Pope had made the decree at the request of St. Francis to be called the Portion of Assisi. Um, it's also the beginning of the practice that we know as indulgences. And the indulgence portion of the conversation is where I have a lot of questions. Um, it's a lot of questions about how purgatory works, how, how we look at the indulgences of the church. Um, it's not a word that I'm completely foreign to because I know that it comes up um, in part of the Divine Mercy when you do the readings on the Divine Mercy Novena. Um, one of them, Jesus, I believe it's when he's praying for the souls in purgatory, give me all the souls in purgatory, um, that we would empty up all of the indulgence and treasuries of the church for these souls because we don't know how hard it is for them. And um, that's kind of the, the basis of the thought process I have in entering today's conversation about what indulgences are. Um, what purgatory is, I guess, in a certain extent needs to be discussed. And that's kind of where I'm at with my thought processes of entering today's conversation. So without further ado, Father, I want to give the floor to you and let you set us straight. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I uh, uh, will try to get the, the details straight. Uh, but the basic thing, as you mentioned, is uh, a request of St. Francis. So the the little poor man of Assisi who captured the imaginations, hearts, and minds of people through the last eight centuries was inspired in the kind of uh, evangelical abundance that so marked his life, not conforming to the ways of this world and uh, uh, asking for God's grace and abundance. He had such a confidence in the love of God and the mercy of God. And so he asked for great things. He really wanted everyone to know Jesus and he wanted to spread the gospel everywhere and, and especially among the, the poor and the little ones. And so uh, that kind of exuberance led to an order which uh, went from a dozen friars as he discerned the order saying, God has given me brothers. And then it quickly spread into thousands of friars over the next couple of decades, uh, even before his death. And so just uh, that sort of uh, evangelical passion is what marked him. And again, the confidence in God's mercy and that God wanted everyone to receive his love, gave him a kind of uh, zeal in preaching and his unwillingness to conform to the ways of the world made him a kind of holy fool that caught people's attention and helped them to see that something really different is here, that the gospel is really different than the world. And so uh, that kind of uh, joy, clarity, exuberance, abundance is, uh, is what marked St. Francis. And it, as one of the episodes of his life, he uh, was granted the use of a little chapel of uh, St. Uh, Santa Maria Portiuncula, so Our Lady of the Little Portion, and uh, he paid for the use of that chapel from the Benedictines, a, a price of two fish, which is still offered to to this day. But uh, 
he had a vision of of Jesus, uh, of two angels appearing to him and asking what he wanted. And uh, after he had made a heroic act of uh, of self denial and self offering to the Lord, and the the Savior asked him what reward he wanted for this heroic act, and Saint Francis answered, "I want to grant an extraordinary indulgence to anyone confessed, repented, and acquitted to enter into this chapel." And the Lord replied, "What you ask, O Francis, is great." But you are worthy of greater things. The only condition, O Francis, is to submit a request to the Pope, my vicar on earth. And so uh, Pope Francis submitted the request, and uh, that was Pope Honorius III. And uh, he granted that indulgence uh, without uh, without limit. Um, and he says, uh, how many years do you want me uh do you want the indulgence to be fixed? And St. Francis said, Holy Father, uh, give me your holiness, not years, but souls. Uh, and, and he says, uh, you know, that there might be more souls who are, who are saved. And so uh, he says, if, if those come to the church and uh, confessed and repented, absolved by a priest, freed from guilt, from punishment, uh, that they be freed from guilt, from punishment in heaven and on earth, from the day of baptism uh, to their their entry into the church. And so, anyway, the uh, Saint Francis asked for uh, what later became the the church's practice of uh, plenary indulgence. That uh, one through certain practices by the uh, the abundance of merits in the church and the safeguard of that treasury of of grace could be given uh, a kind of, uh, well, could be set free from the temporal punishment due to sin and uh, be, be brought more immediately into the, into the heavenly kingdom. So that pattern of Assisi, which you see, again, flows from this, this desire of St. Francis and really from his own heroic acts. And that's how we understand it's, uh, it's sort of like uh, when we're in relationship with people who are doing great things, it helps us to do great things. And it's a, a simple way to understand it, but it's really true. You know, we, whether we work with a company and uh, as long as someone is not sort of opposed to the company, it's kind of like the whole company did a great thing. Or if you're on a team and the team succeeds, like the whole team did a great thing. Uh, you know, when, when Mother Teresa was granted the Nobel Peace Prize, in a certain way, all the missionaries of charity received the Nobel Peace Prize. There's a, there's a power through association, which is not just the notoriety in the minds of men, but is really something more existential. There really is a union. Mother Teresa couldn't have done what she did without all those sisters. Uh, they all contributed something essential, and they're essentially associated with the great things that she personally did. And, uh, Pope Benedict said it this way in the best teaching that I know of on purgatory in his encyclical Space Salvi on hope. He said, we don't sin alone and we're not saved alone. Uh, we help each other and we associate with each other. We support each other on, on the journey of faith. And our individualism tends to isolate us in our minds like we're really individual. But the fact is we don't do anything alone, really. We're always doing something, whether we're we're going from a relationship or to a relationship, and our work is for the sake of relationships. Our minds are constantly in dialogue, and we wouldn't have language if we didn't have other people. 
And we couldn't think if we didn't have language. I mean, our lives are so deeply re- rooted in relationships. And, and uh, just to think of that, you know, our language is structured around uh, if we hang out with people that use good language, we also use good language. And the language that we use structures our thoughts and our thoughts structure our interior. So we're just so heavily influenced by other people. And those relationships really make uh, a critical difference. So St. Francis was saying, I want everybody who comes to this chapel to be associated with my merits, with my acts of love for God, with my, uh, my virtues. And, uh, and then connected to the Pope, to all of the virtues of the church and of the saints. I want anybody who comes to this chapel to have that association and to be positively affected by that even to the point that it sets them free from the kind of bondages of this world and that it makes them more open to and formed by the, the heavenly society of, of angels and saints. And that's what the church recognized as, a, uh, as possible to do and, and instituted in that case, the pardon of Assisi, which again, on August 1st or 2nd, uh, anyone who visits a Franciscan church, I think, now is how that's been spread throughout the world. But uh, places like Franciscan University also have a little portion, the uh, the, the Porciuncula that's there on campus. But I think any Franciscan convent or church also qualifies to uh, for that pardon of Assisi. So again, it's making this intentional association with the Franciscans, with thus St. Francis, with his acts of heroic virtue and love, and the orientation that he has more to heaven than to earth. And uh, that can really set us free from the things that hold us bound, even to the point of being more ready to go to heaven immediately than to be uh, in need of greater purification after our death. So to go to purgatory, in other words. So that's a kind of long meandering uh, response to uh, the, the topic and happy to hear your, your thoughts, Joe. So as you said there, the, the, the Pope Benedict, given the analysis that we can't do anything by ourselves, essentially, we, we grow as a team, we fail as a team, um, but we also are still tested as individuals. Did we push ourselves to help the team? And it makes me think of essentially the way that, that I view saints, and this, this might be incorrect as well, but as a saint in heaven, they are intercessory praying on our behalves um, in the forms of intercessory prayers. So they are themselves not acting for themselves, but acting on the teen's behalf, those of us here down on earth, to get our prayers to God and and to be listened to. Um, I've always kind of viewed it as everything else in my life. I I, I ask people who are better than me to help me. Um, these saints have proven that they're better, or at least they were successful here on earth um, to become saints. Why not ask them for help and guidance on the way, along the way? And, and to me, that, that part makes sense. So I do get caught up in, in, in this question, though, because we are called to excel ourselves and become more virtuous in nature, even if the general direction of society is not doing it. And we're going to ultimately be judged on. So where I'm trying to get with my question here is 
we're called to be in service to others. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what a relationship is, isn't it? It, it? It's making yourself better on someone else's behalf. And that's the, the purest part of, of a relationship, right? To, to figure out what's, what's best with you and bring it out in someone else and, and then bring out better parts of you in the continual progression. Um, you know, as far as parts of the, the discussion of, of marriage is it's calling us to do that. So where my question is, is that for those who don't participate, that is where purgatory comes into play. For those who do not purify themselves on earth to be worthy, to be in the, the presence of God. So my question is, is how, how do the indulgences play into that? Um, particularly when we talk about on behalf of someone else. So I, I know that there are different kinds of indulgences and please correct me where I make mistakes here. Um, but as I recall reading the booklet that we have for the stations of the cross, it says that you get an indulgence for it. And it also says that you can take it on your behalf or dedicate it to someone else. Um, and in that way, it makes me think of it, and I'm pretty sure this is the wrong way to think of it, but it almost makes me think of it as that there's a certain level you need to get to in terms of holiness or divine virtue or indulgences, whatever the, the appropriate word is there, to basically get into heaven, to be worthy to be in God's credit in presence, and you can make the decision whether you keep this indulgence for yourself or you can give it to someone else. And just saying that out loud, it sounds wrong. Um, so it, it's something I'm not understanding. So that's where I'm asking for, for help in that nature. Yeah, I think uh, whenever you, uh, whenever one starts to speak about the faith in like financial terms or in, uh, you know, uh, gaming terms or something like that, it's always going to reduce it in a way that sounds uh, that that is a bit too um, Pelagian, uh, merely based on personal effort, uh, or you know, like collecting. So it's it's like a, because the the faith is always relational and it's always based on love, and love can't be quantified. So you'd never say like when you finally got enough points with your wife, uh, then you're marriage had reached a certain level that uh was you know like a a plus or something <laughs> mm -hmm. you just can't quantify relationships and love and so that's always going to uh sort of fall flat when we describe it in those terms um at the same time you know there there is a there is such a thing you do do things for your wife you know there it's not worth a, a specifically quantitative you have some sense like well when you took out the trash for the 7000th time <laughs> that was worth something you know so uh there there is a point to it while not fully reducing it to numbers so that's kind of the space the, the slightly fuzzy space that we have to live in when we're describing these things, there is something that's nearly quantifiable, but not actually quantifiable. There is something that depends on our effort, but it doesn't depend merely on our effort. There is something that's individual, but it's also corporate. It's also together, you know, so there's a, there's a both and that we have to keep a balance on in these things. Otherwise it gets, uh, it gets off kilter. 
and you start maximizing your relationship with your wife or something like that and uh, trying to only do the activities that will get the most points or, you know, like it's just crazy to think in those terms for a relationship. Uh, but yeah. a, a better way to, to look at it uh, trying to manage that balance a little bit more is uh, when we, uh, so when we associate with the saints, I think the idea of a team is, is helpful and we're, we're kind of getting on the same team as them. Uh, and, and that means specific saints. So when you go to the Portsioncola, you get on the same team as St. Francis, you're associating with him. Uh, the word associating has the word socius in Latin, which means friend, companion. Uh, so you're becoming a companion of St. Francis and associating with him. And so uh, we, we get kind of the benefit of being on his team, to say it in a little bit of a crude way. But And then when we offer an indulgence for somebody else, we're associating that person with us, with our team. Like, why am I remembering that person rather than somebody else? Well, because I'm associated with them and I'm making that intention to be part of them. And it's sort of like, you know, I mean, if you go back to the playground, when we picked somebody to be on our team, they benefit from being on our team. And there's always those leftover kids, right? The, the ones who are the least, the least quality players, but the fact that we pick them and they're on our team, they win the game with us, you know, and, and, but it requires them to do something. It's not just a matter of being picked. They also have to agree with it. And they have to not get in the way, at least, you know, I mean, if they interfere with everything and score a bunch of own goals, well, that could down, you know, so anyway, there's, I, I think those dynamics capture some of the individual and the team, the way that what I do can benefit someone else, um, the way that I also have personal responsibility and that matters. And then there are certain activities by which we are associating ourselves. And that's what these activities for indulgences are whether it's the stations of the cross or praying the rosary or Eucharistic adoration or Lexio Divina or the pardon of Assisi or visiting a cemetery, or we have a number of different practices, which are concrete ways that we associate with a team, that we identify ourselves with these others who have already done a tremendous work and, and have a, they've associated themselves with the Lord in such a way that there's a kind of abundance in that, you know, they, they won the battle. They, they fought the good fight. They, uh, they, they kept the, the faith. They, they completed the race. So we're associating ourselves with them through particular practices. And the church is recognizing those associations and kind of solidifying them by, by identifying particular things as, as indulgences. And so that's how we do a particular practice. Um, but we really associate ourselves with a team. We don't just do the practice in a superficial way, but we do it in a meaningful way by which we are also going to confession and receiving Holy Communion. That's the ultimate way through the sacraments that we associate ourselves with the church team, if you will. And then uh, we're also really working so that we're not getting in the way. We're, we're trying to purify ourselves from all earthly attachments to sin. And so any bad behavior, vices, any things that we're associated with, we're trying to break those attachments and, and eliminate that sin in our lives. And so we're really repentant for those things. So we're really aligning ourselves with the holiness of the team as much as possible. And, and in all of those ways, we then benefit from being part of that team, you might say. We benefit from the, the good works of St. Francis and his association with the Lord.
And then we can bring other people into that by offering those indulgences for those for those who have died. So it's specific in indulgences that for reasons that I'm not sure I can fully clarify or explain that uh, indulgences can be offered for oneself, accepted for oneself, we can associate ourselves, or they can be offered for somebody who has died, uh, not for another living person, for whatever reason. We pray for living people, we associate with them in other ways, I suppose. But uh, anyway, we can associate people who have died. And, and so that's a beautiful thing. You know, the fact that we know somebody who has died already indicates an association. And then the fact that we share our kind of good work and the good work of that saint, like the Portiuncola or uh, the Rosary or the Stations of the Cross, um, associates them in a way that also helps them to overcome and to make progress in their own journey of faith and their own association with, with God, their own purification and sanctification. And as you went through the list of some of the, the indulgences there that, that are the common ones, um, a, a commonality that came across, at least to me, was that they all put you in a, in a mental state of recognizing that, that, that God is more important than you. I guess is, is, there's a better way to say that, um, but to put you in a state of when you're at the stations, when you're praying the rosary, that you're in the mental space of reflecting upon what Jesus did. And it might not at the surface seem like that, you know, when you're praying the rosary, despite the fact you're, you're playing, saying the Hail Mary over and over and you're praying for, for Jesus thing. Uh, for Jesus' grace, it might not be obvious that you're putting yourself in a place to essentially receive grace. Um, I know that you mentioned that in the last episode, that we need to be able to make ourselves able to receive grace. So to use your um, uh, your team analogy, you have to be willing to, to listen to the coach and understand what he's trying to tell you and then try to, to implement it. And it seems that these indulgences are the pathway to do that, to put yourself in a position where I'm reflecting upon the fact that that God came here and and did everything that he did when he absolutely did not need to do that. He chose to do that. And um, the magnitude of, of all of that, I think, is something that's very easily not thought of by people. Um, because it's one of these things that that already happened, but it didn't have to, and, and, and nor would it have been expected or, or reasonably expected if you really think about it. Um, that I mean that that's that's a big part of the miracle of Christmas, um, but it, it really kind of comes to me and, and realizes that we have to put ourselves in a place of thinking about what Jesus did for us knowing that we may never truly comprehend why. And not just thinking about it, but uh, really living it out. And so uh, those are ways that practices of prayer align us with the mind of Christ and also uh, help us to integrate that into our own behavior, because we're not meant to just be like him, but actually be one with him. We are transformed steadily into Christ throughout the course of our lives and into eternity. That's, uh, that's really what we're aiming at. So um, yeah, that's right. And, and indulgences are a sign that these particular practices, these saints, these, um, 
these sacrifices are ones that really align us with Christ, that associate us with him and those who are most closely associated with him. Yeah. And as a closing thought here, it's just an observation that, that we say a lot. But if you look at a team, you can generally tell when they're outside of wearing their uniforms or whatever, who they are with. They all kind of act the same way. They use the same type of language, as you mentioned before. And the cliche that's always said is a team takes on the personality of their coach. And at the end of the day, how can you have a better coach than God himself? So with that being said, I, I like to think about these types of things and you know, have, have you guys think about it as we move forward into the next week. So we thank everyone for being here and listening with you. And we will be with you again next week.